Thank you so much, Hillary. I want to talk to you a little bit about American financing. This is something that has helped Stu just recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was trying to buy a house and uh, and went to American Financing, and they got him a great deal. What's your insurance or your insurance? What's your uh, your payment every month? Uh, I totally can just tell you the exact percentage uh, rate I got. I know it's very low. It was under. Was it under? I three? thought you said it was in the twos. Yeah, it was in the three? twos. Yeah, it was I thought three. it was under three. Yeah, it was under three. I just can't remember yeah. what it was exactly, but it was really freaking low. Yeah. Like the, the sort of interest rate that you'd think is like a misprint. <laughs> Like, it's not even real. Come on. That's not even real. Uh, that That is actually happening now. And I, it's not going to last forever. We're already seeing all the inflation kind of kicking in. Rates are already starting to inch up. If you want to refinance or buy a home, now is the time to make sure that you lock in the best rate possible. Yeah. Um, I know people that are starting to rent out their home and buy a second home uh, because renting is becoming so expensive and their house is worth so much more money. Um, please don't please understand this is not going to last please understand that there is trouble coming uh, and do the right thing for you and your financing with AmericanFinancing.net sick twisted freak it is tuesday and i've never well i've done this once before i've had a guest back three times in my 45 years of broadcast the last time i did this was marcus luttrell when he came back before he had written lone survivor i find the guest that we have on today uh we had him on yesterday i find him fascinating because I'm guessing, I don't even know, I don't care. Um, I'm guessing we don't agree on a lot of things, uh, political. But he is one of the only doctors that I have heard in the media that isn't making this about politics. In fact, when he's talking about COVID and the vaccine and everything else, he's saying, stop talking about politics. Let's start talking about the truth and facts. I want to talk to him. He is the inventor of mRNA vaccine technology. Uh, I, well, I'm going to ask him to talk down because the little people don't really know what mRNA vaccine technology is. Um, you know, so, I, but I do. I, of course, know. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to bring every, everybody along. So, I'll pretend, wink, wink, that I don't know anything about this uh, and have him explain the history and and what it means and the things that we're starting to do, the ethics behind some of the things that we're doing. Um, what does it mean for our future? Dr. Robert Malone joins us in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. And Stu, you're all up on uh, RMMR on that technology, right? Yeah, I can almost always say right. it in the right yeah. order. Uh, so yeah, mRNA really? technology. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Um, when, <laughs> this is the best time for you to shop for blinds right now. They're having a huge, huge sale at blinds.com. It's the uh, 4th of July spectacular, which you can save up to 45% off everything site wide. And that's a lot. It only gets better from there, because when you order from Blinds.com, you're going to get amazing customer service. Whether you choose to install them yourself or having Blinds.com send their people out to do it for you. And on top of that, they have free samples, free shipping, and a 100% guaranteed perfect fit. With over 25 million blinds sold, they have 35,000 five-star reviews. You can see why Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window treatments in the world. Blinds.com. Join them for their 4th of July spectacular. Receive up to 45% off everything site-wide. It's Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The inventor of mRNA vaccine technology, Robert Malone, uh, is uh, joining us again today. Hello, doctor. Hi, Glenn. Uh, thanks for that uh, lead in. Um, and it's not talking <laughs> down. I, I'd like to talk, I, you know, um, there's a, one of our greatest physicists ever, Richard Feynman, once made the point that if you can't make complicated stuff simple, then you don't really understand it. So uh, mm. I, I live... You know, I, I live here in central Virginia, and I have plenty of folks that are just average people. A lot of them never even travel on a plane. Um, and uh, I, I like to say I can think I can talk to everybody. I don't have to talk down to them. So let's go. Let's talk about the tech. Okay. So tell, t- tell me what mRNA technology even is. And can you start at the, the beginning? Because I understood that a... It was originally developed or originally thought of by a black woman who could not get anybody to pay attention until maybe some Germans or she was over in Germany and some Americans uh, caught interest and said, hey, I think you have something here. Is, is that true? And, and where do you come in? I think you may be talking about Katie Kuriko and she's Hungarian. Um, and actually, okay. I had folks write to me that she's actually Hungarian Secret Service originally. Um, so, uh, wow! I actually, I actually mentored Katie in the mid '90s, and her first paper on RNA cites me in the acknowledgement. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I, I spoke about this on the high wire at length, and and um, it's not, I'm not interested in in uh, embarrassing anybody. Uh, um, it is what it is. So. But I was doing this yeah. the full decade before she was, and, and that's just the way things oh. are. Sorry. Um, but okay. She did make so it tell, a, tell me what it is now. Yeah, good. Let's talk okay. about the, the, the tech. So first thing you got to understand is that it, in biology, we have this thing called the central dogma. And, and what it is is that DNA makes RNA. RNA makes protein. Really simple stuff. DNA, for most of us, is what our genes are where the information is coded. RNA is the thing that transfers that message out to the machinery that turns it into protein, okay? So you can almost think of the RNA as a copy of code that's sitting on a DNA hard drive. I think most of us can get that. Um, 
So there's this thing that goes from the inside, the inner part of the cell, the nucleus, where the DNA is, and it goes out into the cytoplasm, that's the outer part of the cell, where the protein translation machinery is, and it is a message. It's a, you know, uh, a, a message that goes from central command out to the perimeter. And so, and it's made of RNA, so we call it messenger RNA. So it's mRNA is the short acronym. Does that make sense? Pretty simple yes. stuff. Um, okay, right. so that's where all this starts from. And the, and the core idea behind this, you know, one of the ahas that led to this whole cascade of the inventions back in the late 80s was that if, it, now I was working in a gene therapy lab, perhaps the leading gene therapy lab in the world at the Salk Institute at the time, and um, the aha was, oh, People are, it's really difficult to get genes all the way into the nucleus, the center part, because we've got a lot of barriers. It's like a castle with a bunch of fortifications. Um, and, and, uh, and maybe for maybe for a reason, right? Yeah, for a good reason, right? Because we don't want outside yeah. genetic material getting into our genes, duh, right? So Correct, it's hard right. To get DNA and viruses and all kinds of stuff all the way in. So the logic was, oh, this message part. It doesn't stick around very long, and all you got to do is get it in through the first barrier, the cytoplasmic membrane. So that's the the first uh, you know barricade around the castle. You don't have to get all the way through the drawbridge and everything else. So uh, that that is the core idea: deliver RNA rather than trying to do DNA or viruses to get all the way into the nucleus. Just get it into the cytoplasm. And by the way, the RNA gets cut up pretty fast, uh, any RNA, any message, it makes sense, you know, that it's like an auto-destruct on your email. The email's coming from the central server, and imagine that it goes out, it does its thing, and then it automatically gets cut up. So that's the idea. It makes, it makes for a gene therapy approach, it's more like a drug, because one of the problems with gene therapy is that it, if you get it working good, and you get your genes into somebody's cells, there's kind of no going back. If, it, if for some reason there's a problem, like your only solution is you're going to have to cut out the cells, right? And if the cells are all over your right. body, that's not going to happen. So there's some big fundamental problems with the core idea of gene therapy that as was originally thought about in the 1970s. It was kind of a little bit naive. And one of the big problems that was discovered back in 88 um, by a postdoc that was kind of shepherding me named Dan St. Louis. He was also a true believer like I was about gene therapy. And he was working with a kind of a virus called a retrovirus. This is the kind that is HIV, for instance, but it wasn't HIV. And he was using that to put genes into mouse cells and then putting those cells back into mice. And then the genes would get turned off for some reason. They would stop making protein. And this was a you know, major head scratcher. Uh, and all kinds of elaborate theories came out. And I, being the half-trained medical student that had come from a vaccine and AIDS lab at UC Davis, I said, aha, I know what it is. It's that the mouse is generating an immune response against the protein. And in fact, that was the case, which was, uh, you know, suddenly gene therapy had a major problem. But what I did was say, oh, well, okay, let's make lemonade out of lemons. What we can do is use gene therapy technology for making vaccines. And so, so the truth so is when, the, the go ahead. adenoviral vectors, the, the DNA viruses that are the J and J 
and the AstraZeneca vaccines, that technology also came out of that same lab and that same insight. So really all of these are the, the advectored um, products that we have here in the States, we called the Johnson Johnson vaccine and the two RNA vaccines all trace their roots back to the Salk Institute in the late eighties. And they're all. So when somebody, when somebody says, um, you know, this has never been tried before with a vaccine like this. Um, and you don't know what this is going to mean down the road, uh, and how it's going to affect, you know, your cells and DNA. Is any of that true? Um, it is true that we don't know what the long-term effects are going to be. And it's not just the technology and the specific chemicals that are being used for wrapping the RNA in its little FedEx package. Um, uh, it's also, we call it the payload, the thing that's expressed, the protein. Um, in this case, it's the spike protein. Okay, so don't, a lot of these side effects I suspect strongly are a consequence of what is being produced. And Spike wasn't the only option. It was just kind of the easy option that was chosen at first. And I suspect in the next generations, we're going to see very different things than biologically active Spike. We'll see. But you're absolutely right. We can't know what the long-term effects are unless we give enough time to assess those. So, so but, vaccine, you want but, two years. After after a lot of people have been vaccinated to make sure. But that is that different than than any other? Is that different than any other vaccine or anything? I mean, that's why we have drug testing and the drug testing goes on for a while. So we could expect that there and, might and, be and some some long term things. But is it different true. because of the mRNA? One of the things that's different about, and remember, both the mRNA and the adenoviral vector are very similar at their core. They're both putting foreign genes into your cells. And then they're making your cells become little vaccine manufacturing factories. That's how this is working. The thing is that the FDA and the pharmacy, the FDA has a checklist for vaccines and they say, oh, you have to do these things and you don't have to do these things. Like for instance, with regular vaccines, you don't do reproductive toxicology and you don't look at toxicity to genes. That's just the way, because time has shown that regular vaccines don't have those kinds of problems. With gene therapies, you do have to have that stuff. Okay, with gene therapies, you got to do a lot more rigorous characterization and you have to show how long the protein is being made in what cells and how it's distributed throughout the body. At what level are you making the protein? The, in their, you know, in the rush, I, I don't know how else to say it. The FDA decided, you know, I think this was a case of people just kind of not thinking in the moment. They decided to apply the vaccines checklist. They didn't apply the gene therapy checklist. And so we don't actually have the data to say how much protein is being made by your cells with each of these vaccines for how long and what cells. And so this gives rise to a lot of fear. And people talk about, you know, are we expressing spike in ovaries and all that? We don't have data showing that's true, but we don't have data showing it's not true. And, and the thing here is that the rules of the road, like I, I might have said before in one of our earlier, it's the French judicial system. The way it works with drugs and vaccines right. is you have to prove that they're safe. You're, 
they're assumed to be not safe until you prove that they are. It's not the other way around. And the fact that we don't have this information um, gives rise to a lot of concern on the part of people. And I think it's completely valid. And as if that wasn't bad enough, the FDA decided in this stage where they're still experimental, but we're giving them to everybody, we're trying to insist on everybody taking them, including all the college students, um, uh, they didn't set up a structure to carefully track adverse events and um, how effective things are in the field. They did their phase three studies, but those are limited and often they aren't very predictive of how things go once you're out in the real world. And they decided right. not to do that at the time. And now they're trying to kind of backfill and find some way to do it, but they didn't gather the data. We're talking to Dr. Robert Malone. He is the inventor of mRNA uh, vaccine technology. We'll continue our conversation. I, I want to talk to him a little bit about the ethics of what is happening now beyond this technology um, and what we're doing. Um, we seem to be in a very on a very reckless path, and it. It concerns me, and I'd like to hear his opinion on it. First, let me give 60 seconds to our sponsor. It's Built Bar. They are now the official sponsor of the U.S. Olympic track and field team. I've been uh, talking to you about Built Bar ever since, well, I'd like to say ever since, uh, you know, I discovered Built Bar, but I didn't. It actually happened through Stu and his wife, and then his wife told my wife, and then... She told me for like a year, and I wouldn't listen to her. And then, I mean, because it's a protein bar. They suck. They suck. And then she'd say, yeah, but they're low calorie. And I'd be like, oh, boy, that's going to suck even more. Because usually these things either have no flavor or they they taste like garbage or a doormat. Or they taste like a Dow chemical uh, accident. Not that I know what one of those tastes like, but you know what I'm saying? This is a company that started out with flavor. Now, here's the flavor we want. How do we get it so it is healthy? I think it's witchcraft myself, but it's low calorie, low carb, high protein and high fiber. Uh, they're amazing uh, flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor. You can find out, get a box, a mix box. You can try two of each of the nine flavors. It's uh, it's really, really good. Go to their new URL. It's easy to remember. It's built.com. You're going to love them. Built.com. Use the promo code BECK15, and you'll save 15% off your next order. Again, that's built.com. Promo code BECK15. 10 seconds, station ID. All right. Uh, we're back with uh, Dr. Robert Malone. Um, and I, I want to talk to you about some of the things that we are now doing in medicine and more so in technology that uh scare me i mean we are we are changing people's lives uh just with the technology of the iphone and the ipad and all of that and we we've never done a long-term experiment on this and nothing <clears throat> i don't that i can think of in human history 
has come on this fast and been this pers- um, pervasive and we have no effect, uh, no idea of the effect on our children alone. Um, and that's 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 just in tech on one thing. We have A.I. coming in. But I heard something yesterday. This is a bioethicist. He was talking to he is a um, uh, a meat eater, but he was talking about how <clears throat> we can get people to stop eating meat for because of global warming. Do you have that from uh, from last week? The bioethicist talking to the anti meat scientists. Um, he was talking about we can gene splice, and when we gene splice. Uh, we're b- going to be able to get people to n- not be able to tolerate meat. Doctor, I want to get you on uh, to talk about, is there a line uh, and do we have any idea what we're fooling with? Okay, so you're asking the question about genetically modified organisms and specifically designing them to modify human behavior. Is that dumb and getting it right? Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of this before. This is bizarre. Um, uh, I don't, uh, what crazy kind of logic is this? Um, I personally, I don't eat meat. There's a variety of reasons, health being one of them. But I don't, I don't try to tell anybody else not to eat meat. I generally don't even disclose it. Uh, it right. Again, I, I, I'm firmly in the camp of, uh, your right to autonomy and decision-making. And this idea of social engineering, I think is what you're kind of touching on. And it's also what we're dealing with with this Trusted News Initiative. You and I discussed the other day, we started really going into the, you know, Orwell's version, Orwell's warning to us about a new authoritarian world in which um, language is used to manipulate thought, etc. I think that a lot of this is at the core of the conservative angst and unease about, you know, politically correct speech and, and a lot of these things that strike as attempts at social engineering. And, and if, I'm under, if I'm reading that correctly, this is an issue that cuts across the, uh, the entire space, liberal, libertarian, uh, and conservative. I think that there are a lot of people that are really uncomfortable with what's going on in terms right. of the let's idea our, of social engineering. Let's pick this up uh, in just a couple of minutes. Let me take a quick network break back with Dr. Robert Malone. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So let me talk to you a little bit about grilling season. It is here and I'm not alone. I know I'm not the only person that just doesn't know how to cook on a grill. I have no idea. I mean, I I try, you know, um, but it it usually ends up burnt or raw. One of the one of the two. That is before I got a Rectech. Rectech has smart grill technology in it. It's this the smart grill technology allows uh, the the meat or whatever you're cooking to be cooked exactly right. It alerts you when you're done on your cell phone or, you know, any kind of smart device. Um, it also adjusts the temperature accordingly. It is really amazing. Uh, you know, 
don't be like me. Don't burn almost everything that you try to put into uh, into your grill. You can smoke, you can grill, you can even bake with a Rectech. There is nothing like it on the market. It is the best. Go to Rectech with a Q.com. That's R-E-C-T-E-Q.com. Find out for yourself and A-B compare. You'll never find another grill like a Rectech. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn is the place to go to get your Blaze TV subscription to save 10 bucks with the promo code Glenn. Coming up in half an hour, Rudy Giuliani and Alan Dershowitz to talk about what's just happened to Rudy Giuliani, and it's never happened before, and it should concern people a great deal. Um, and I'll let Alan and uh, Rudy explain it. Um, it is it's, It could affect all of us. If you don't like the client, you don't go after the attorney. Um, and uh, it's never been done before. In fact, the head of the NL, uh, the um, uh, ACLU in New York, who hates Rudy Giuliani, just joined the team to push back on this because he said this is one of the biggest violation of rights. And if we go down here and allow this to stand, uh, we're in 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 big, big legal trouble in the future. Each of us are. So we're going to talk about that coming up in about half an hour uh, from now. Right now, we're talking to Dr. Robert Malone, and um, I, I want to play this audio of the bioethicist um, for you, doctor, so you can hear what he's talking about, inserting and and making us repel um, meat. Listen to this. So I'll give two examples. So one is that uh, people eat too much meat, right? And if they were to cut down on their consumption on meat, then they would, uh, it would actually really help the planet. Uh, but people are not willing to give up meat. Yeah, you know, some people will be willing to, but other people, they may be willing to, but they sort of, they have a weakness of will. They say, wow, this, this steak is just too juicy. I can't do it. I, I'm one of those, by the way. So, you know, but so here's the thought, right? So it turns out that we know a lot about, so there, we have these intolerance to, uh, so I, for example, I have milk intolerance. Um, uh, and there, some people are intolerant to crayfish. So possibly we can use hu- human engineering to make it the case that we're intolerant to certain kinds of meat, to certain kinds of bovine, uh, bovine proteins. And there's actually analogs of this in life. There's this thing called the long star tick, where if it bites you, you will become allergic to meat. Uh, I can sort of describe the mechanism. So that's something that we can do through human engineering. We can kind of uh, ad- possibly address really big world problems through human engineering. Isn't that, well, shouldn't that be terrifying? Okay, that, that's a mic drop moment. Yeah, that, that's clearly crossing the line. Engineering humans is the key. You didn't mention that part before. So, so he's talking about engineering you and me, um, not engineering the cow. Uh, that's that's way over the top. I, I was going to say, um, well, well, I think the core of what you're talking about is uh, does the rights of the society trump the rights of the individual, right? Do the ends justify the means? And we already settled that. We had the Nuremberg trials, right? We said no. <laughs> and here in the States, and I think all of your listeners and are aligned with me on this, we're a free society of free people that have free will to make their own decisions. And uh, this, this, I, I, 
I hope that the speaker was saying this in jest, just to illustrate a point, because the idea of engineering humans, uh, number one, it's, it's naive. As somebody who's been in the gene therapy space for a long time, we can talk about these fancy ideas, but implementing them turns out to be wicked hard for the very reason we started talking about that, you know, there are all kinds of barriers to getting stuff into our DNA. It's hard to do. What concerns me is it it feels like uh, some scientists are now like, yeah, yeah, eugenics didn't work, but the idea was good. And we're just going down the same road with new technology uh, from, you know, 1900 to 1940. Yeah, no. And this is I suspect this is always going to be the case. I can tell you that in in this in among my peers. There are always those who feel like if we can do it, we should do it. And, and it's often real hard to check those people. I mean, this, gets, this is the same kind of issue as the gain-of-function mutation research that's the, at the core of the controversy about the origin of this virus. There are people in my space, you know, in my contact list, that are kind of wired to say, um, I'm really smart, and if I can do this, I should be allowed to do it. And those people are really hard to control, um, but they're out there, and they will always be out there. And somehow the rest of us got to put a clamp on them and make it clear that that's not okay. But it's not easy to do, I well, guarantee. It's, <laughs> it's not easy to do, and it feels like medicine in some way is going off the rails. I know uh, the AMA just said that they're going to start now including critical race theory in medicine. And I thought that critical race theory, like it, don't like it, that's political. We cannot put political a lot of, a lot. into medicine. So, yeah, the assumption that the American Medical Association represents most physicians in the United States is false. Uh, not, not only by numbers, mm. but also by logic. So please don't paint us all with that brush. Just because a bunch of folks sitting in a ivory tower in Chicago happen to say that, um, a lot of us find the AMA has led us down the garden path to where our lives are controlled by accountants and and people with MBAs. Right. Uh, they they kind of sold us out. So, uh, you know, I don't know that medicine. You're right. Medicine today is not what I signed up for when I went into medical school, uh, and a lot of my colleagues are really disillusioned with it. But um, and I, that's a that's a bigger we're, problem. <laughs> we're we're facing these are the kind of things that keep me up at night. Um, we're facing times that are hap- that are coming at us so fast, and it doesn't seem like. Uh, for instance, I have a daughter who um, has uh, cerebral palsy, and she had horrible, horrible seizures. She was having them all the time, yeah. and she just had this miraculous brain surgery. She hasn't had a seizure since January. That's she's 31 or 32 years old. That's that is a miracle. And I know that Elon Musk is developing what's called Neuralink. And his idea is that you'll be able to, you know, if you have strokes, which she had, uh, it will be able to um, jump uh, over any of the scarring or anything else. And I. I think this is fantastic, but I also see what it could become, and I don't know where the line is. 
<laughs> does anybody and, and is anybody talking about these things? You're right to be you're, you're right to be wary because the history is that when, when every one of these breakthroughs always comes with a good side and a bad side. And there's Correct. always military applications. There's always these kinds of control applications. And, uh, and there's always folks that are willing to exploit it, particularly if they can make a buck. And um, I, it's, it, this is the battle that we are going to have to wage forever. But is there anybody in your business leading that battle? That's a good question. Um, is there, I'm not, a, there must be uh, institutes and think tanks that are, I can't imagine there isn't, but the field of bioethics seems to be often fairly focused on, on just the pragmatic parts of how do we do a clinical trial and, and, you know, develop drugs and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and, and not on these big picture issues. These are more psychology and social sociology kind of, and and um, and big think tank, Rand, Rand Institute kind of questions you're asking. And I, I I hope that there are folks out there, but they're not in my world. My world people tend to be pretty focused on the mission, and uh, you know, how do we protect the warfighter? How do we uh, respond to bio threats. I mean, the thing that has my world spooked is these new recombinant technologies like uh, CRISPR-Cas9 that, that, you know, in the in garage biology, you can engineer some wicked nasty stuff these days in your garage. And that's, that's in a way that you didn't used to be able to. And that's what's got. Could you explain? Most people don't don't even know what CRISPR is. Can can you explain that quickly? Not very well. I don't know it. I don't practice it. It's a new technology that allows very precise recombination, which is to say insertion of new genetic material in place of existing uh, genetic material. And it makes it kind of child's play. It used to be really hard. And now by use of these sequences, that are found in some uh, prokaryotic uh, uh, bug uh, 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 microbial systems, you're able to circumvent a lot of the old kind of more kludgy stuff and just make genetic swaps wherever you want. And that's complemented by the fact that you can, I mean, I could, I could write out a new gene that I want right now on my computer and send it off to a shop in the U.S. or China, and they would send me back a package with that gene synthesized. It's that trivial. And this is a technology oh that gosh. now allows you to take that and drop it into, you know, your favorite genome. It's not, it's not yet um, uh, so efficient that the, the problem with all of this for humans, for big, you know, animals, to get it into all of your cells, we're not there yet. We're a long, long way from that. But to do it in one cell, like, like or modify a virus or modify a bacteria... Um, that's now trivial, and that's that's kind of the the thing about the argument that just to bring it home that SARS-CoV-2. Some people say, well, there's no footprint of classic genetic engineering. Well, with with CRISPR-Cas9, there are no footprints. It just goes in clean. So wow, that that, that argument, you know, we can't. It it changes everything because you can't track stuff in the same way. Um, and it becomes uh, pretty easy to do stuff. So that's that's a little spooky. 
right? Yeah, we are we're we're entering a whole new world, just a whole yeah. new world. Dr. Robert Malone, thank you for spending the time uh, over the last three days being on in the my program. My I find you, thank you. Yeah, I find you really refreshing that you haven't brought politics into any of it, just reason and common sense. Thank you so much. God bless. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Let me tell you about American financing. Um, how are your how are your finances? Could you use to save hmm, a couple hundred bucks a month, maybe a thousand dollars a month? You can do this now with American financing. Um, all you have to do is lower your interest rate on your mortgage and you can do either. You can do that. Or you could combine uh, your credit cards and roll that into your mortgage now with American Financing. American Financing at 800-906-2440 or go to AmericanFinancing.net. They will help you do this. It's an easy phone call. There's no there's no anything on the phone. They're not going to pressure you into anything. Um, uh, they just spend 10 minutes with you on the phone. You tell them what you're trying to do and uh, what you have, you know, bill-wise, et cetera, et cetera, and what your mortgage rate is, and they will be able to help you or or not without any pressure. They work for you, not for the bank. Call them now. American Financing at 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, or AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck Program. Tucker Carlson said last night that the NSA is spying on him and reading confidential texts and emails in order to try to get his take his show off the air. Um, that is quite a charge. He says that he got this information from a whistleblower from inside the federal government, and he informed Carlson the NSA was monitoring his online communications. He said normally he'd be skeptical of this claim. The whistleblower reportedly repeated back to him information about a story he was working on that could have only been gathered through Carlson's private texts and emails. Um, we're going to follow up on this story, talk to Cheryl Atkinson about it. Um, I I am saddened to say I believe that um, and I would say the same thing if if uh, Jake Tapper or even Cuomo had come out and said that the NSA is doing this. I would like to know more, but I would support them in their right to not have the NSA spy on him. They're making this into yet another conspiracy theory, which is weird because the conspiracy theories uh, seem to always end up correct, at least lately. Um, let me uh, let me bring you up to speed on what's happening with Rudy Giuliani, um, because Rudy Giuliani is going to join us here in just a few minutes. And so is Alan Dershowitz. And I, I want them both to weigh in because this is not just about Rudy Giuliani. This is about your attorney um he's the he was the president's attorney now this doesn't go with what what was her name the w woman that had all the credibility in the world up until 
about 10 minutes into uh, the uh, election stuff. What was her name? Sydney. Uh, yeah, Powell. yeah. Sydney Powell. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sydney Powell. Um, and uh, this is not the same with her. Um, Rudy Giuliani did not make those claims. He says anything that he had, he had a source on that told him that these things were going on. And he was saying, we have to look into them. Um, and if, you know, if, if your client lies to an attorney, um, you know, the, what is the attorney going to do? If the attorney has false information and he knowingly presents it, then he's in trouble. But Rudy Giuliani says that's not what happened. I wasn't knowingly putting false uh, evidence out there. This is really dangerous for any time you might be in trouble. Because if your attorney is out of step with political correctness and he can go to jail because they don't like you, uh, we live in, we no longer live in the United States of America. And Rudy Giuliani pretty much said that uh, a couple of days ago. This is not the United States of America. And even the very liberal uh, uh, founder of ACLU in New York is joining this case now and says this is an outrage and he really does not like Rudy. Program.